You're listening to an audio sermon from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, but I am going to show you, you actually need three baptisms. And that's the title of my message this morning. I want to speak to you about basic biblical baptisms, and maybe I should just explain uh, the title. When I say basic biblical baptisms, there's nothing basic or simple about it. It's just that it's foundational. It's from there that you grow. If you read in Hebrews 6, he speaks about the elementary principles of Christ. The first things, and among that, he speaks about baptisms, plural. And so we're going to get to those uh, three baptisms. And let me say from the beginning, they are three separate, distinct, recognizable events. You will know when they happen to you. It's not that somebody told you as a child you were baptized and you don't remember a thing. But let me not uh, get into that now. What I want to do is before I get to those three baptisms, and I hope I, I will get there eventually, you know, because um, I usually teach, and teaching is a bit different to preaching because preaching is proclamation and teaching is explanation. But what I want to do uh, first before we get there, because I often like to speak about Um, baptism or the thing that I'm going to uh, expound on so that we can make sure that we all have the right concept, that we're not thinking of of different things. So I want to start by telling you what the word baptize actually means. And you will see in different languages, it actually signifies immersion, dunking, dipping, whatever you want to call it. So let me start with the English language. The Greek word uh, for baptize is baptizo, which literally, and nobody can argue with this, means to dip or to immerse. And I'll get to the Greek in a, in a few moments, but let me show you how this word was translated from the New Testament Greek into English. As you know, the Protestant Reformation took place in the 16th century. Uh, But at the time, there were already in existence old English translations of the Bible. And they did not translate the Greek word baptizo into English, but they, I almost want to say they left it untranslated and they transliterated it. In other words, they used the sounds of the word and gave it, the letters that we are familiar with, and they, can I put it this way, they anglified the word. So uh, instead of using the word dip or immerse or some equivalent synonym, the Greek word was simply written in English letters and the word baptize was created. Because the words dip or immerse did not correspond with a practice that was already used in most churches in England at that time. Now, the King James Version was um, made in the next century, in 1611 AD, but the sprinkling of infants was still the accepted practice in that particular church in England. So, the translators 
with instruction from King James I, followed the 16th century English translations and did not translate the word, but transliterated the word. So, uh, interesting enough, there are some later English translations from the 1800s that actually use the word immerse. And I'm not going to mention them, I have a whole list of them here, but one interesting translation in 1842 was Bernard's Bible. So the Bernards had revelation quite early. This was a Baptist minister, and uh, he translated the word as immerse. I found a very interesting, more modern translation uh, that uses the word immerse throughout the Bible, and then when it speaks of John the Baptist, it actually uses the Hebrew word for John, Yohanan, and then instead of saying John the Baptist, they speak about Yohanan, the immerser. I like that. So it's very interesting when you find the phrase John the Baptist. I like in my Bible to just read there, John the immerser or John the dipper. <laughs> because that's what, uh, what baptism is all about. So when you read the English Bible, whenever you see the word baptized, think of immerse. Now, let me say this. English forms part of a family of languages called Germanic languages. Germanic languages include German, uh, Dutch, Norwegian, Swedish, Danish, Afrikaans, etc., etc. Now, I'm sure some of you might be familiar with the Afrikaans word for baptize and as the word duop. It doesn't take much to see and to hear that by origin, this word in meaning and in sound is directly connected with the English word dip and related to the word deep. It's the same word. Now, very interesting. If you take the word, the Afrikaans word duop, and you take it outside of the church, you detach it from its religious meaning, it always means to immerse. And let me remind you while I have my coffee here that there used to be rusks or biscuit called Oma. And what was their slogan? Duapa Oma. I come prepared. So here's what you do with, with the Oma biscuit. You actually dunk, now I'm not going to do it because I'm going to mess everything up here. But you actually, you never take a rusk and do this. That's not baptism. You actually dunk it in your coffee. And just incidentally, the, um, the woman who started Oma Biscate was Oma Gravenstein, born again, spirit filled woman who started making rusks because her pastor challenged her. They wanted to build a church in one of the townships. And he taught on the parable of the talents and gave everybody at the door at that time was half a crown, 25 pennies. And she went and started her business, and God just blessed it. 
And eventually she was no longer there, but even the slogan still said something about her because she promoted baptism. Dua Oma. <laughs> Apparently some theologians actually uh, complained about that and they changed it to Dipa Oma. It's the same thing still. Okay, so in other languages, the word baptism or duop or taufen in, in German, duopen in, in Dutch means to immerse. So where if a minister in some of the traditional churches, if they actually, according to them, baptize an infant, all that is baptized is their fingers. Because baptism means to dunk, to immerse. Okay, so let me now get to the Greek. And uh, I said to you the word baptizu is the word, and it's the causative form of the verb, which means to cause something to be dipped. And if we consider this word not in the New Testament, but at the same time of the Bible, if we look at extra-biblical uh, literature, where this word appeared. It always spoke about immersing because it spoke about drawing water from a well with a container. What do you do if you have a bucket and you want water from the well? You dunk that bucket into the water and then pull it out. It was used uh, to describe drawing wine from a bowl with a cup, uh, launching a ship into the water, tempering metal by plunging it into water or dyeing a cloth by dipping it into the, the colored dye. So that is what the word always meant outside of the Bible. It always spoke about immersion. And there's a totally different word for sprinkling, rangtitsu. It's not the same word. Now, very interesting, not only does that word mean to dip or to immerse, but when it's used in a figurative way, it actually means, and I love this because you're going to get the spiritual meaning of this, to be overwhelmed, to be engulfed. And when we get to those three baptisms, I'm going to show you how important it is to, to see this. Now, just incidentally, uh, the root word for baptizo is the word bapto, which appears three times in the Bible. And it has nothing to do with baptism at this time, but it has to do with dipping. And you can go and read about it, Luke 16, 24, when the rich man begged that Lazarus would what, dip his finger into water. And then come and cool his tongue. In John 13, 26, when Jesus dipped the bread uh, uh, before giving it to Judas Iscariot. And then Revelation 19, 13 speaks about the robe of Jesus being dipped in blood. So it definitely means immersion. So we need to understand that's what the word means. Now, what I want to do is take you to Scripture now. And very simply, and you can go and read these scriptures uh, in your own time, you will see that there are certain things that accompanied water baptism all the time. What are the requirements for baptism? And this is a deep teaching. Well, not that deep, but you'll see what I mean by that. The first thing that baptism requires is water. 
Is that too deep? Okay, you get that. And if you read Acts 8.36 and you read the story of, uh, of Philip and the treasurer from Ethiopia, they had to wait until they got to water before he could be baptized. So water in the first place requires baptism. Now I want to say this. Go and read Acts 8 and you'll find that they were on a, a deserted road. You do not go on a journey like that without having a flask of water somewhere on your chariot or your wagon. So if baptism was by sprinkling, he could have done baptism on wheels, baptized him on his cart or his wagon right there. But they had to wait until they got to water. So, baptism requires water. Secondly, baptism requires much water. In John 3.23, it speaks of John the Dipper. And it says he was baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much water there. So he had to get to a place where there was much water. And incidentally, the, the place Anon uh, in the original language speaks about an eye of a fountain of springs. So literally, there was much water. Now, I need to demonstrate something here, if you don't mind. Baptism requires much water. If baptism was by sprinkling... I don't need much water. If I baptize you with coffee, you'll be Hebrews. <laughs> it's water, by the way. Can you see how many people I can baptize? If it was by sprinkling? I don't need much water. Why did John, the immerser, go and baptize by Anon? Because there was much water. Is it too deep for you? Are you with me still? The next requirement for baptism is that the candidate needs to go into the water. Or let me just first say, to the water, it says in Matthew 3.13 that Jesus went to the Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist. John could have brought the water to him, but Jesus had to go to the water. And then, verse 16, the candidate has to go into the water. Go and read it. It says that Jesus came up from the water. It also requires that the baptizer should join the person, the baptizee, to be uh, in the water. And, and you can go and read about that in Acts 8 uh, with Philip and the Ethiopian treasurer again. And then lastly, I just want to say this, and you'll see when we get to the three baptisms in a moment, that one of the meanings of water baptism is a watery grave. The old sinful man is buried. It's symbolic of being raised to life. I'm sure you've seen the T-shirts. Love that. So it speaks of a funeral, a burial, not just a few clods on the coffin, totally covered 
or totally put into a tomb, totally covered. That is the, the biblical symbolism and typology of water baptism. Okay, now let me get to the three basic biblical baptisms, as I said, the foundational baptisms that we're going to speak about. Uh, there are, um, in, in fact, I want you to look at this, um, at this graphic here. Easy to remember. Blood, water, and fire. Your first baptism, and I'll give you scriptures in a moment, is when you are baptized into the body of Christ as a new believer and washed clean by the blood of Jesus. So that's your first baptism, and I'll, I'll expound on that in a moment. Second baptism is then water baptism, which is very symbolic of cleansing again. It's also symbolic, as I said, of a watery grave. That new man who is now part of the body of Christ now needs to be raised to life symbolically, and the old man needs to be buried. You see, there are many believers who've been born again. They had baptism, number one but they're still dragging the old body with them. <laughs> They've never buried the old sinful nature. So that's the, the second baptism. And then the third baptism is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Being baptized by the Spirit and by fire. Okay, let me discuss these three baptisms in greater detail. Baptism number one. Now, I, I want to ask you, go and read through especially the book of Acts. And when you read about these things that I'm going to mention, the new birth, water baptism, and baptism in the Holy Spirit, write a little number one, two, or three in your Bible. And you'll be surprised at how often you will see this plan of God, this picture of God, with number one, number two, and number three. And please listen to me. This is important. You must have it in the right order. The new birth always comes before water baptism. That's why if you were sprinkled as a baby or an infant, it's not a valid baptism. I would suggest get properly baptized. The new birth comes first. Then comes water baptism. Only one time in the book of Acts does God change the order around, but new birth always is first. We read in Acts 10 that Cornelius and his household, they were born again, and immediately they received baptism number three. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. But Peter felt so strong about this, go and read it, that he said, it says, he commanded them to be baptized in water because God's picture was not fully completed in their lives. So it's important, I want to say to you, if you are a believer, you need to be baptized. I want to put it strong and say like Peter, I command you to be baptized in water. And you can do it today. They're ready for you. They have some extra clothes or extra clothes, whatever you want. 
I love people that are so strong under the conviction of water baptism. Let me, let me not go there. I'll, I'll, I'll tell it in a moment. But go and read these scriptures. Galatians 3, 26 and 27 says, You're, you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's the first baptism, the baptism in blood. So that's vital. You need to receive the new birth when you are baptized into Christ. And I love one translation says, into union with Christ. Then, who's the baptizer? 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says that. By one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So who's the baptizer with the first baptism? The Holy Spirit. He baptizes the repentant sinner into the body of Christ, and you become part of the church. And I, I, I love what I said earlier, the figurative thing. You are overwhelmed. You are enveloped in Christ. You are clothed with Christ. Then, baptism in water, you first need to be a disciple. Matthew 28, 19, very clear about that. Go, therefore, and make disciples, number one, and then baptize them, number two. So that is the, the prerequisite. Acts 8, such an important scripture about Philip and the Ethiopian treasurer. He actually asked him, what hinders me to be baptized? And we read that it says, you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. Then you can be baptized. So who is the baptizer here? The church. Philip was a representative of the church. So the church baptizes the new believer, because you're no longer a sinner now. You've been born again. Baptizes the new believer into water, which I said has symbolic meaning because it speaks of the washing away of your sins that already happened, and it speaks about now burying that old sinful nature. Very important. And then baptism number three, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now let me give you the baptizer, the baptizee, uh, and the, the element in which you are baptized, and then I'll, I'll give you the scriptures. This time, Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, is the baptizer, not any man. So Jesus baptizes the disciple into the Holy Spirit. And uh, let, me, let me give you a, a, an important scripture. Matthew 3.11, John the Dipper, John the Immerser, he said this about Jesus. I indeed baptize you with water. I'm going to make a comment about that word with. Circle it in your Bible, and I'll tell you what I want to say about it. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Hallelujah. That's the third baptism. Jesus himself baptizes you. Now, when it says here in the English translation, I baptize with water, 
and Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Greek word there, listen to me, it's a very, very complicated word, is in. And the word in could be translated with. But most of the time, the majority of the time, it's translated as in or into. So read that scripture again, and here's what John the Immerser says. He says, I baptized you in water, but he who comes will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Think again of being overwhelmed, of being engulfed in the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I should have had another bucket here and, and used that cup because I said earlier what uh, the Greek word means is to take a container and, and if you are that cup and you are immersed into that bucket, the further down you go, the fuller you get. until you are absolutely engulfed in the Holy Spirit. And that's the beauty of this whole thing. So I want to challenge you today, and I want to say to you that it's so important for you to experience all three these kind of baptisms. And maybe I want to conclude with uh, something that I spoke about earlier. I said that the word baptu uh, is used outside of the Bible to describe different things. Firstly, to draw uh, water from a well with a container. And listen what Jesus said in John 7. I'm going to read from the message, paraphrase. John 7, verses 38 and 39. And he speaks here of, of baptism number three. He says, rivers of living water will brim and spill out of the depths of anyone who believes me in this way, just the scripture said. He said this in regard to the Spirit whom those who believed in him were about to receive. The Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus says, not only will you be full of the Spirit, but you will actually brim over. And that is what God wants for you to experience. You need to receive the Holy Spirit so that you can become a channel giving the rivers of living water to others around you. Then I said it's, it's like drawing uh, wine from a bowl or with a cup, and as I said, if you put it in, in a larger vessel, it will be filled up uh, to the proportion uh, to the depth to which it continues to be pushed into the water. Ephesians 5.18 in the New Living Translation says, Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. That's what God wants. He wants you to be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Launching a ship into water. That's another way that the word was used outside of the Bible. And if we are yielded and controlled uh, by the Holy Spirit, He will launch us on our divine destiny, and He will guide us. Uh, and, and I like Romans 8.14, it says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Tempering metal by plunging it into water. 
Think about this. In the old days, especially when they made a sword and it's heated in the fire, that metal can still be brittle. But when it is tempered in water, it, it receives strength. And that's exactly what will happen to you. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, God Uh, 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 baptizes you in that fire and he tempers you and you will be filled with power. Acts 1.8 says that. And then lastly, dyeing a cloth by dipping it into a color dye. And I like this. Ephesians 1.13 and 14 says in the message, it's in Christ that you, once you've heard the truth and believed this message of your salvation, find yourselves home free, signed sealed and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment on what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and a glorious life. So God wants you to be dyed His color. Amen. And He wants you to have His seal on Him. So, here's my challenge to you. Have you experienced all three of these baptisms? There may be somebody here today, you don't know what it is to be washed in the blood of Jesus. You've never experienced the new birth. I'm going to pray for you so that that can happen with you today. And then incidentally, go and read in the Bible. And maybe I can come back to what I wanted to say earlier. In Acts 16, the Philippian jailer, he was a heathen, heard the message. Paul and Silas were liberated midnight. The man couldn't wait for the morning to be baptized. It says the very same hour he was baptized. I love people with that kind of conviction. I want to say to you, don't worry about your hair. Just get baptized in water today. I'll never forget uh, one time there was a family from a traditional church who phoned me and they said that they listened to some of my teachings on water baptism and they felt convicted to be water baptized. This was in the middle of winter. I said, okay, great. Uh, Spring is coming. And (laughs) the man said to me, no, we cannot wait. We want to be baptized. Now, I said, great. You can come on Sunday at the church. We have a heated pool there. And we'll, he says, I cannot wait until Sunday. My wife and my two children, teenage children, we want to be baptized tonight in the middle of winter. So I got the address. I went to the house. I thought at least they will have a bathtub with some warm water. He said, No. We're getting baptized in our swimming pool. (laughs) You know, normally at meetings like that, when you don't know people, you start with an icebreaker. I was the icebreaker. (laughs) But I loved their conviction that they were prepared to get baptized immediately. I received a phone call once from a couple, uh, they were from Belgium, they were going back to Belgium. While they were here, they heard uh, a teaching of mine on water baptism, they said, we're flying out tonight, we need to be baptized today. 
And I'll never forget, it, it rained cats and dogs that day. They were sprinkled before they were baptized. <laughs> they were baptized and then immediately got onto the plane to fly back to Belgium. And incidentally, I met them at a service where I preached in Europe, still serving God. Do not wait. Do not put it off. Get water baptized if you have not been. And then, I want to say this, and I love that this church gives a place for the Holy Spirit. If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, don't wait. Come and speak to one of the pastors and tell them, how can I receive the baptism in fire? Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray a prayer firstly for people who have never experienced baptism number one. You have not received Jesus. You are unsure where you will spend eternity. It's such a simple but a profound prayer that we can pray because you don't have to leave this church with that uncertainty in your heart. You can know today that I am born again. I have eternal life. And then I want to encourage you. Don't wait for any other day. Get water baptized today. If you receive Jesus, you, you qualify. Amen. Father, we thank you that we can listen to your word and that we can understand that you have a plan, that there's a picture that you want to be completed in our lives. And we know these are the elementary principles of Christ. This is the beginning of our Christian life. But it's so important to have these things in place. And we know to be water baptized is not essential to receive eternal life. We know it's only the blood of Jesus that can clean us, not the waters of baptism. We know it's just a symbolic thing. But we also know this. Although water baptism is not essential for eternal life, it is not optional to live the abundant life here on earth. And help us to see that you have an abundant life for us by following Jesus and obeying Him. And I want to pray especially for people that have not received Jesus in their lives. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. In fact, I'm going to ask all of us to pray it. Whether you're a, a believer, pray it on behalf of, of others that, that would need some encouragement. I want you to say out loud after me, phrase by phrase, say, Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Jesus, I invite you as my Savior. Come into my life. Cleanse me from all my sin. Make me brand new. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that you died in my place, that you took my punishment, 
so that I can be free, so that I can receive the gift of eternal life. I receive that gift right now. By grace, through faith, I'm now a child of God, and I'm going to live forever. And I thank you that I can follow you for the rest of my life, starting with the waters of baptism and continuing and spending eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, I thank you for blessing these people, even those that need to uh, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Also, help them to realize that it's a gift of grace, that it's not something that I can earn or deserve. I just need to receive the promise of the Father. And may Jesus be glorified in and through all of this. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ. Loving God. Loving people.